be steadfast in the Lord. And this morning we are going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I will read. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Beloved, we are in a times of trouble. We are in desperate times. And as they say, desperate times call for desperate measures. And so we see everybody in the world looking for desperate measures, trying to find a way to survive in this world. There are so many things that hit us, that make us lose faith, that make us lose hope, and make us lose our footing in the Lord. And sometimes we are Christians, all right, but we walk as if we have no hope. We are walking hopeless with our faces bowed down. You see, in this world and in this America we find ourselves, sometimes it seems that you are the only person who is living a righteous life wherever you find yourself. And it seems that you are the only one who wants to stand for God. And when you see all the masses out there to get you, when you want to stand for God, sometimes it makes you lose hope and it makes you lose faith. And you tell yourself, what is this, all this life that I'm living? What does it matter if I'm a Christian at all? Why do I just join with the crowd and do all that they are doing? Oh, beloved, but I'm here to encourage you this morning. Be steadfast in the Lord. Immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Oh, beloved, if there's a time for you to abound in God's work, this is the time. But you see, the apostle, every word that he uses in scripture is very important. You see, before he comes to this verse, he says, therefore, therefore. You see, you have to always watch when you are reading the letters of this apostle, always watch for this word, therefore. He uses a lot. He loves this word, therefore. You see, whenever he uses this word, therefore, it means that there are some things that he has been teaching. There are some foundations that he's been laying. And so when he lays all the foundation, then he comes to therefore. In light of all the things that I have talked about, this is what I am speaking to you. You see, great admonitions comes through great doctrines. You see, if without doctrines, there are no hope. You see, the great way to live our lives, you see, the, you know, in, in so many ways, what you believe is how you conduct your lives. What you believe. So the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever that is bubbling out in your heart that you have believed that has seeped into your heart, that is what you speak and that's how you conduct your life. And so the way you live your life, in a way, is a proof of what you believe. And so if you say you believe in God and your life is something else, then do you really believe in the Lord? And so let's look at what the apostle has been saying all this while that he is gabbing to this therefore. So when you read from the verse 1, to verse 8. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again in the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. You see, these Corinthians, they were Greeks. And they were going through various challenges and various troubles. You see, and that is why the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to them. So these letters are not just, the Apostle didn't sit down and say, oh, these are great doctrines. Let me sit down and write an academic letter and send to these people. Oh, no. But he wrote to them to respond to what they were dealing with in their day-to-day -day life. But you see, the apostle never attempted to address their problems just like that. He always started from doctrines. He started from what God had done. And then he says, based on what God has done, look at what God has done. And this is how you conduct your life. And so you see, the great admonition for us to live the Christian life arises from what God has already done. And so he says in the beginning, he says that in, in order to address their questions, he says, moreover, I want you to understand the things that I have given to you. I'm not coming to tell you something new. It is the thing that I preached to you long ago. You see, at this point, you know, Paul was uh, uh, in Ephesians. You see, at this point, he was, uh, uh, he had left Corinth when he had uh, established the church in Corinth. This was his second missionary journey. He had left Corinth. So he has heard about all the things that was going on and he's writing a letter to them. And he's saying that, you see, this is the thing that I preached to you in the past. That's the same message that I have for you. That the hope of this life is in the gospel. Beloved, are you looking for hope in this world? Do you want hope? Are you losing faith? Do you want something to give you a boost in this world? Do you want something to go on? You see, sometimes in our work, we get tired and got weary and we start to walk, you know, anyhow, and we are walking like there's no spring in our steps. Do you want a spring in your step? Beloved, the only way that you can get some hope in this world, to get strength, to get vitality in this world, to move as swift and fast in this world is by the gospel. Because it is the gospel that gives us hope. Beloved, there's no hope in this world. I'm here to tell you, nobody can give you hope. That doesn't come from the word of God. Because our only hope in this world is in Christ and it's in this gospel. And so the apostle Paul starts to explain the gospel to them. He says, this is the gospel. That Christ came down to save us. God, the Bible says that in due time, God sent his son to come down to save us. You see, we have gone through the whole Easter season and we have heard so many things about the death. So I won't go and believe at the point about the death. But you see, he, he starts by saying that Christ died. And he says, you know, he was buried. You see, it is very important. He says Christ died. What does it mean? He died. It means that it was the redemption process. It was through his blood that he purchased us out of the hands of the enemy and bring us into this glorious light. But then he goes on, he says that he didn't only die, but he was buried. And why is it so important that the apostle stresses on this burial? Because the burial signified the finality of it all. 
You see, when you are buried, everything is over. When you are buried, it is done. You see, when Je- if Jesus wasn't buried, then people can make a claim that, oh, maybe he didn't even die. The death that he went on the cross, maybe he went unconscious and he came back again. But the burial means that he was buried. He was put in the grave. That is the end of everything. So no wonder, you see, the Bible makes us understand in Luke chapter 24, some men, after they heard of Jesus, Jesus was buried. You see, they were walking about, they had no hope. The Bible says it was Cleopas and his friend, and they were walking to a town called Amos. And when they are walking, you see, when you are walking and you have no hope, it is, it is drawn on your face. So everybody who sees you sees that this person is suffering from something. And so he, they were walking and they were discussing among themselves, talking about the things that had happened, and they had lost hope. And this man appeared to them. You see, it was Jesus, but he had blinded them so they couldn't see. And Jesus appeared to them and said, why are you so downcast? Why are you walking as if there's no hope? And the people responded, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Don't you know what has happened? This Jesus Christ, whom we thought was going to be the savior of this world, he has been crucified. And that was it. They thought that Jesus is dead. He said that we thought that he was going to be the savior of the world, but now he has been crucified. He is dead. Oh, but they did not know. They did not know. Their eyes were blind. They could not see that this same Jesus Christ who they buried is the same Jesus who was working with them. And so the Bible says that, you see, when they got to where they were staying, he says that he expounded to them in all scriptures that thing concerning himself. And the Bible said that when they got there, they sat down and he, they, they, they broke bread. And as soon as they broke their bread, their eyes were open and they saw that it was Jesus Christ. And the Bible said that at that very hour, they returned back to Jerusalem to tell all the twelve that this Jesus Christ has resurrected. You see, and that is why, you see, what the apostles, the Bible says that they are witnesses. What are they witnesses of? It's not about the life of Jesus Christ. It's not even about the death of Jesus Christ. It's not about the burial of Jesus Christ. But it's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because without the resurrection, there is no hope. Beloved, I am here to tell you that Christ is not in the grave. He has resurrected. And that is our living hope. That is the hope that we have. All the religions in the world, all the things people are are, are serving and worshiping, they are all dead. Muhammad is dead. Gandhi is dead. Buddha is dead. Every one of them is dead. They are in their grave. They cannot speak. They have no eyes. They can't see. But our Jesus Christ is alive. He is ever living. Making intercession for us. Oh, that is our hope. That is our hope. Beloved, do not be discouraged. Do not lose heart. Oh, things in this world might go sideways. I don't know. If something hasn't happened to you, you don't know what I'm talking about. But there is a time in life that many things can come all at once. You see, there's a statement that says, there's a proverb, when it rains, it pours. You see, there are some things and some days that everything will come together all at once. You know, if it came, you know, little by little, you could deal with it. 
But when they come all at once and you sit down, you are like, ah, how, how can I deal with this? How can I go on again? But I'm here to tell you, oh God, I'm here to tell you that there is Jesus Christ who is our living hope. And because of Jesus Christ, you can be able to go on. And so the Bible says, you see, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because Christ lives, there is hope for us. Because he lives. Because he lives. We can face tomorrow. Oh, beloved. The proof of the deity of Christ and the proof of all his claims on earth is in the resurrection. And so the apostle says, without the resurrection, then you are dead. If the resurrection is not true, then you are dead. Then you are still in your sins. You see, these Corinthians, they were Greek, as I said. And you see, in Greek culture, they had beliefs. And so their Greek theologians had taught them. So all, you know, all the, the Greeks, so even the Thessalonians, they had the same problem. It wasn't that they didn't believe in the resurrection or, or the afterlife. You see, these people believed that there was an afterlife. You see, after death, there is a second life. It, was, it is a common belief. If it's not only Christians who believe this. It's a common belief that after life, there is an afterlife. You see, death is not the end. There's an afterlife. But see, there, there, there was something that they struggled with. There, there's something that they struggled with. You see, and their struggle was bodily resurrection. See, their struggle wasn't to understand. You see, and that's why the Apostle Paul wrote this letter and wrote this portion to them. Their struggle wasn't that there is an afterlife, but that we are going to rise up in our body that there is going to be a bodily resurrection. And that was their big problem. That was their big problem. So let's read verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? You see, and so some people were saying that, oh no, so there was a big argument. Some people were saying, no, there's no resurrection. Yeah, there's an afterlife, but there's no resurrection. You see, and Paul makes this argument. If Christ is dead and has resurrected, why do some people say there's no resurrection? You see, in other words, the Apostle Paul was teaching, and we see this through our scripture, of what we call the union, union with Christ. You see, we have been united with Christ in his death. We have been united with Christ in his burial. We have been reunited with Christ in his resurrection. And so you see, the Bible teaches us that we are united with Christ. And so whatever Christ is, we are. You see, whatever Christ is, we are. And so the Bible says that if Christ has resurrected from the grave, then that means that we will also resurrect from the grave. That is our hope. Our hope is in the resurrection. That life doesn't end on earth. That there is another life. There is another life. And we are not just going to exist as, uh, as souls without bodies. Oh no, there is going to be a body. But you see, this body is going to be a new body. And that is what they were struggling with. They are like, you see, the Apostle Paul gets to some point and he asks them, uh, uh, why are you asking yourself what body, what kind of body are we going to have? Because they were struggling with it. But you see, the, the Apostle says, oh no, don't worry about this. You see, everything about the Christian journey is a miracle. And so it means that even our resurrection is also a miracle. Oh, beloved, Christ has risen. Christ has risen. Oh, Christ has risen. 
He has risen from the grave. And that is our living hope. That is our living hope. And so he goes on. That, and if Christ, verse 14, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And our faith is also empty. Yes, we are also found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise. If, in fact, that the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. You also, then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. This is one of the things that they struggled with. You see, these people who early Christians had believed in Christ. They were struggling. You see, they, they were suffering persecution. And many of them were being murdered and killed like that. Anyhow, they were being tortured. They were being uh, thrown into jail. You see, lions were killing some of them. They were, using, they, were used, they were being used as sports for the Romans. And so they were struggling. They are like, you see, and the Apostle Paul is saying that if the resurrection is not true, then all that is happening, all the dead, those who have died in Christ, those who have fallen asleep in Christ, then it is in vain. Oh, but beloved, I'm here to tell you that it is never in vain because Christ has resurrected and that is our living hope that because Christ is resurrected, we will not also be left in the grave. We will also resurrect again. Beloved, have you lost some loved ones? Oh, sometimes death can make you lose hope. Maybe somebody you looked up to. Maybe that person was going to be the one who will help you in this life. That was going to be the big man in your family. Maybe that was the person God was positioning at some place so that the person would look back and uh, uh, make sure that everybody else is fine. Maybe, you know, that person was your rock. Maybe that person was your strength. Is it a husband? Is it a wife? Is it a mother? Is it a father? Is it a child that you have lost that makes you lose hope and you question and you ask God, God, why? Why am I going through all these challenges and struggles in life? But I'm here to tell you, you will see that loved one again. There's going to be a time that God God will raise him or her up again and you will see that person again. That is our living hope. Do not lose hope. Oh, do not lose hope. And so in 1 Thessalonians, the apostle Paul writes to them and says that why do we, you weep as people who do not have hope? Beloved, yes, it is okay for us to mourn and for us to cry, but it's okay. Do not just lose hope because of that, because our trust and, and our hope is not just in the living, but it's also there is a dive afterwards. And so the Apostle Paul makes a profound statement that if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we have all the most pitiable. If our only hope is only in this world, what we will get from this world? then we are the most pitiable. Because what can we get from this world? Nothing. Because in this world, in this world that we are living, as Christians in this world, there's nothing here for us. The Bible says that we are just pilgrims through this land. We are just walking through this land. How much many people are struggling to amass all this great wealth in this life. Oh, beloved, you will die and live it. And so the, Jesus Christ told the disciples, suffer not for the bread that perishes. But that is what we are suffering for. We are suffering and we, 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 are, we are struggling for the bread that will perish. 
But he says, oh no, but suffer for the bread that leads to eternity. Suffer for the bread where it will never go rot, where moth and, and no worms can eat. Lay up yourself treasures in heaven. Oh, beloved, our hope is not just in this world. Oh yes, in this world, God's blessings will still come upon us. You see, but our great promise is not in this world. So you struggle through this world. Let me struggle in this world. Let me have nothing in this world. But oh, I will still keep on going because there is a light at the end of the tunnel because Christ has risen. And so when I die, I will also rise up again. And when I rise up, I will go into eternal glory. And that is where there is laid up for me Treasures in heaven. Oh, beloved, have hope in God. Be steadfast in the Lord. Then don't let anything shake you. Oh, things of this world can come. The winds of this world can blow. Oh, but be immovable. Do not let anything move you. Oh, beloved, that you, 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 you have this assurance that I have in the Lord. That oh, come with me. Oh, come what may. Our God is God. Oh, our God is God. Our God is God. But you see, there is a, an interesting thing. You see, as I said, what you believe determines how you conduct your life. And so the enemy was very, was sowing this seed in their hearts and their minds. Because he knew that if they were able to believe that there is no afterlife, or there will not be any resurrection, then he can get them to live their life anyhow. You see? And so he said, otherwise, uh, uh, verse, verse 30, and why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? I affirm by the boasting in which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If in the manner of men I have fought with beasts and at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. You see, if you're able, if you believe that there's no afterlife, there's no resurrection, then you can say that then what, what is the point of this life? What is the point of Christian struggle? Because of a truth, you know, contrary to popular opinion, when you are a Christian, you struggle. You go through difficulties. You see, and so the apostle says that even we ourselves who are the first fruit of the spirit, we grind within ourselves waiting for the adoption of our bodies. And so long as we are bodies and we are flesh, we are living in this world, we grind within ourselves. It means that struggles and temptations will come. You see, the, the, the truth is that what God has promised us is he hasn't promised us a trouble-free world or a, a trouble-free life. That is not his promise. But he has promised us that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is there with us. And he will walk with us. Even in the valley, even in the shadow, even when there is no light, when there is darkness, he will walk with us. That is the promise. Oh, so troubles will come. And so the apostle says that, you see, you can sit down and you can make this argument. If there's no life afterwards, if there's no resurrection, if life is just in this world and there's nothing, when you die, you die, then what is, why is all the trouble? Why am I struggling in this world? Why am I suffering? You see, the apostle says, I have fought beasts at Ephesus. He says that I die daily. What is the point if there's no resurrection? But then he continues. He says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. Oh, for some do not have the knowledge of God. Some do not have the knowledge of God and so they speak anyhow. Beloved, 
Oh, do not be deceived. There is a life that is coming. There is an afterlife. There is a God who is going to descend from the heavens. Oh, the Bible says that at the last days, there is going to be a trumpet and those who are dead in Christ will resurrect. Oh, beloved Jesus Christ. You see, the angel told them, oh, this same Jesus Christ that you see him go up into heaven, he will descend in like manner as you see him go. Beloved Jesus will return again, but he will not return again as a savior, but he will return again with judgment in his hand. He will return again to give judgment on all who have gone astray, on all who did not believe in him. Oh, beloved, where would you be? Do not be deceived. Do not let the world deceive you into thinking there's nothing to this life. Oh, beloved, there is an afterlife. God will come again. And God is preparing us for that afterlife. And that is where our true joy will come. In this world, we will have some joys, but that is small. Oh, beloved, and so the apostle says, Oh, our present suffering is not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed. What suffering are you suffering in this world? It says that if you put all the sufferings in this world together and you compare, you cannot even compare it to the glory that will be revealed. And so in this life, we will struggle. Living a life of righteousness is a life of struggle. And so the apostle says, I beat myself every day. I put my body under subjection. Because living the life, you see, it is so easy to live a life of pleasing your flesh. The, the flesh is always craving for things and it's so easy to feed the flesh. But feeding the spirit is so difficult. It, 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 it requires discipline. And it is hard and difficult. And sometimes you ask yourself, what is the point of all this? Oh, my beloved, just that Apostle Paul is admonishing us, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Awake to righteousness. Awake to righteousness. You know, maybe in your schools, wherever you find yourself, maybe it seems that you are the only one who is living the Christian life. You know, sometimes you might feel alone. And feeling alone, you know, it can make you lose hope. You see, the Bible makes us understand that Elijah, you see, after he had prayed for fire to come down from heaven, after that he got so depressed. And he prayed to God, God, kill me. And God was asking, why? Why? He says that I am the only prophet left in Israel. You see, feeling alone, and feeling like you are the only one in your schools, in your workplace, in your society, in your environment, feeling alone can be a great discouragement to this Christian life. But you see, God told Elijah, oh, you do not know, I have reserved unto me 7,000 prophets who have not yet fallen down or bowed down to bow. And so I'm here to tell you, you are not the only one living the Christian life. The Bible says that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Oh, beloved, you are not alone in this Christian walk. You are not alone. You are not alone. Wherever you find yourself, there is great company of angels. Who are with you? Do not lose hope. And so the Bible goes on to uh, the Apostle Paul. We will not get into this, but he goes on to teach them what type of body that even we are going to have. But you see, when you get to the verse 50 coming down, it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit in corruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, oh, in the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trumpet. You see, it says in the trumpet, at the last trumpet, for the, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption uh, and that this mortal must take on immortality. So when the corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then we shall, uh, and shall be brought to pass the saying of the writing, death is swallowed up in victory. Beloved, the apostle says the last enemy is death. And that death will be defeated. But you see, he says that death will be swallowed up in victory. Oh, and though the apostle Paul boasted, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Beloved, do not be afraid of death because we have a God who is able oh, to raise even the dead back to life again. Oh, beloved, is something dead in your life? We have a God who has power over the grave. He has power over death and he's able to call that which is dead back to life again. And so the Bible says that, you see, that day Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was buried for three days, and when he went and got to uh, Martha, Martha said, oh Jesus Christ, if you were here, if you were here, if only you had come on time, if only you had not delayed, then Lazarus would not have been dead. And so it means that, you see, Martha's faith was up to a point, and the point was to death. He says that, Jesus, I believe in you, that so long as Lazarus has life, you will be able to re 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 restore him. But when he dies, that will be the end. That is the end. And so he is dead, and so there is no that's the end. And Jesus Christ said, oh, if you believe in me, those who are dead will come back to life again. You see, a martyr's faith was so dejected. He had no faith. He was hopeless. She was hopeless. And so she said that, I know that in the last days, we will resurrect. And Jesus said, oh, no, I'm not talking about the last day. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he is dead, he will rise back to life again. He's a resurrection and their life. Oh, beloved. Our Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Oh, what is dead in your life? He's able to bring it up again. Oh, so that we can sing, Oh, death, where is your sting? So, as Christians, we are not afraid of death. Let death come. We embrace death. Why? Because Jesus Christ is able to take that which was uh, uh, fearful to us, that which we were afraid of, he has turned it to something that has become our friend. You see the greatness of God, the enemy that we are so afraid of, he has changed that enemy and has become, he has made the enemy our friend. Why? Because you see, without death, we are not able to see the glory. But with death, we are able to see the glory. And so now, death has no power again. Because when death is coming, oh, with gladly arms, I will walk into it. Because I know that I am going to a better place. And so the Apostle Paul said, I am torn between life and death. I want to go because I know that there is a life up there for me. But to stay here is for your gain. Oh, beloved, death is not something we are supposed to be afraid of anymore. You see, he says that Christ tasted death once and for all so that we will not taste death. And so that's why the Apostle, even in his language, he doesn't even use death. He says that those who are asleep, because of a truth, we sleep in Christ, we do not die. Because we cannot taste death. Why? Because Christ has tasted death once and for all. Beloved, that is the living hope that we have. And therefore, he comes to the verse 58 and says, Therefore, oh, therefore, in light of this great truth, about the, the, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, 
Therefore, be steadfast. Be steadfast. Immovable. What is trying to move you in this life? Is anything trying to shake you? Oh, do not be shaked. Do not be moved. Be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Oh, beloved, this is not the time for you to give up the work of the Lord. This is not the time for you to grow weary in well-doing. This is not the time for you to give up. This is the time for you to abound in all the things of God. Oh, are you abounding in God's work? Are you abounding in righteousness? Are you abounding in the word of God? Are you abounding in prayer? Oh, beloved, this is a time for you to abound in the work of God. Is there anything in God's work? You see, in this house, there are so many work that God wants us to do. This is the time for you to abound in it. Maybe you are doing, you were a leader of this church. And sometimes because of the challenges of this work, it makes you grow weary. And it makes you lose hope. And like, what is the point of all this? I am tired. What is the point of all this? But I'm here to encourage you this morning. Oh, be steadfast, immovable, abounding God's work. Oh, and maybe you are here. You don't have anything to do in God's work. I am coming to charge you that take up something in God's work and do. Come into the fold. Do something in the house of the Lord. Be strong, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. I want us to sing a song. Stand up for Jesus. And so let us all be on our feet. If you have the song, can we please put it up? Maybe the choir can help us.